What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of On the Power Play. It's me, your boy, Brian, always joined by my fabulous co-hosts, Matt and Adam. Welcome to episode number 46, David Krejci. Uh, David Krejci became the first player to have great success wearing the number 46. He has been part of the backbone of the Bruins uh, for the last decade. His work on the team helped them to win the 2011 Stanley Cup. Adam, Matt, what is up, gentlemen? Guys, we are, we're rolling. Like, we are uh, what, the highest team he's played. He's played six or seven games. Like, we're into this. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in the season now. We've already, we already have the, um, the, the fans pretty much calling the season as they're seeing it now. I mean, obviously, the Sharks are going to win the Cup. Uh, that's established. <laughs> the Buffalo Sabres are going to win the Atlantic Division. Yeah, so the cup final this year is going to be Buffalo and San Jose. I hope everybody's ready for that. Because um, <laughs> that's that's obviously what's going to happen. There's no way that that's not what happens. Um, I hate it. Put all of your money about on this. that, folks. No. Uh, Bing's betting Stop corner this it. week is just the Stanley Cup finals bet. Put all of your life savings in it. Um, I hate it. <laughs> going to break my heart three weeks in. What the fuck? Adam, I do have to say, those Sharks, I'm impressed. I'm telling you, it's a a completely different team. I don't, like, all jokes aside, it is a completely different team than what I've seen the last two years, and I love every second of it. This wasn't a talking point I was going to bring up, but since we're already on it, do you think the Evander Kane situation made the team tighter? I mean, obviously, Evander Kane's separate from it because he's not with the team right now, but do you think going through all of that as a team kind of made the boys band together and be like, look, all this shit's going on, but what we really need to focus on is trying to distract everybody from that by playing good hockey. Maybe, but I don't a hundred percent know. Cause like I'm seeing guys that really weren't part of the team, like Jake Middleton, for example, like you sneeze the wrong way at one of his teammates. He's on top of you. It's, something else that I I can't explain it. I only ever saw it when we had Curtis Gabriel on the roster, that guy that won't take any disrespect. He deems disrespectful to any of his teammates. If you do something he doesn't like, he's on you like white on rice. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. (laughs) Like a fly, like a fly to shit. Yep. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's, But now it's that sentiment that has now trickled down to guys like Eric Carlson, Tomas Hurdle. Um, I feel like I've seen Couture a little bit more feisty than I'm used to seeing him. Guys you don't see in scrums often are now getting in scrums. And maybe there's something to the Evander Kane thing, banning them together. Mm -hmm. But I find it, for lack of a better way of putting it, a little hard to believe that that was the one thing that said, oh, yeah, let's stand up for everybody now. I think it was just an overall culture change. Like, if I'm not mistaken, this might be Bugner's first full season. I don't remember if last year was his first full season. It doesn't really count because last year was a shortened season anyways. That too. So, I mean, I think it's just a combination of things on top of the Evander Kane situation that have now – push this team to a place that I don't think anyone really expected fans included. I didn't expect this. I was expecting to be not for nothing kind of where you guys are with the flyers more often than not, where you don't know what you're going to get. 
you're yeah, optimistic but pretty much a year in year out scenario here. exactly so <laughs> yeah I and i'm liking it and uh correct me if i'm wrong uh because i absolutely could be but those players that you mentioned uh mentioned uh the carlson the hurdle the couture they're guys at least last year that almost seemed disinterested in what was going on with the team and on the ice they just kind of seemed like they were like up oh, here we are back playing hockey maybe we'll be competitive i don't know and this I, year, it seems mm-hmm. different. I mean, I, I could be absolutely wrong, but especially with, with all the criticism going around about Carlson, just looking like he's not even bothering playing decent hockey, it seems to be a completely different feel for that guy. You know, I never thought of that until you mentioned it. You might actually be right. I felt like we were pretty competitive to start, and then things just kind of steamrolled backwards. So I don't know. You, you actually might be right. It, it, now that I'm thinking about it, it could be Evander Kane's situation that kind of weighed the locker room down. I don't know. I think what also helps, too, is there's a lot of young blood mm-hmm. on the roster. I don't know where, like, average-wise, the Sharks rank as, like, one of the oldest teams in the league. I feel like they're probably middle of the pack. Um, well, they came around, what, the 90s? Well, I'm talking, um, like, average age. Oh, age. Okay. Yeah, like the average age of the players on the roster. I know they're they've got a couple of old guys there, but it's nowhere near like their cup run where they had the likes of Burns, Vlasic, Thornton, Marlowe, uh, all the Pavelski. old guys. Yeah, Pavelski. 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 Yeah, all the the early to mid thirty year olds playing, you know, to the best of their ability. Now we've got guys like William Eklund, um, Jonathan Dalin. There's another guy whose name I, I can't – oh, Weatherby, Jesper Weatherby, who's been lighting it up recently. All this young blood has come into the roster and almost, like, rejuvenated everybody on top of the new additions of Reimer, Hill, Cogliano, Benino. I, it's just a new-look team that is clicking on all sil- – and firing in all cylinders, and I love every second of it. And honestly, from what I'm seeing so far – and this will be the last bit on the Sharks here, folks um, – the the bit I'm seeing is Aaron Dell is playing some very good goaltending. <laughs> Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill. Sorry, now I I don't know why. Well, I thought Aaron. I, I, for for the record, they're both kind of rhyme and they're both four letter last names. Listen, I would like if, to not be judged for this. If I'm Aiden Hill and I want to go incognito, I might change my name to Aaron Dell. I don't know. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Because there's another um, goalie in the league that goes by Aaron Dell, but hey. But uh, yeah, Hill is having. A good showing as the stationary starter. I expected a decent start, not what he's given. I didn't think exactly. I'm like, I'm not. That's not a complaint. It's just these are my expect expectations were low, and the sharks are blowing it to the moon. That's where I'm at. I do want to just warn you, don't get too high. These things happen here in Philadelphia oh, all Why the time with I... all four teams. Um, Why did I think I told you to stop telling me to go into the Cup of Buffalo? I don't well, look, it's obvious it's going to happen. I mean, we're no, seven games in. No. The season's basically over, Adam. I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, all right, so to move forward, I just we're going we're gonna to get to it, I promise. There's obviously some pressing news with everything going on with the Chicago Blackhawks right now, which we will get to, but we're going to save that for the end of the episode. Because there's other stuff that we want to go over and get to, and that could carry on for God knows how long. So we're going to go over some other stuff prior to getting to the Chicago Blackhawks. So 
Don't worry, folks. The, uh, we will get to it. Yeah, this, we'll, we'll, we will get to it. But there's other hockey teams to talk about here. Specifically, I would like to begin with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Because as it stands right now, as we record this podcast on October 26th, the year of our Lord, 2021. <laughs> they sit at two, four and one with five points and in a solid fifth in the Atlantic. And a fan recently after I believe they lost to the senators wrong. The San Jose Sharks. Oh, they lost the San Jose Sharks. I remember it vividly. A fan tossed his jersey, which, by the way, it looked like one of the authentic Adidas ones, not one of the Fanatics jerseys, which runs for about 240 bucks. Threw it onto the ice. I'm assuming in anger or frustration or whatever. And this just really goes to show, A, how overreactionary Toronto Maple Leafs fans are. B, that this guy obviously doesn't know much about hockey if he's getting that upset in game, what was that, six or five? Uh, That would have been game five. Yeah, in game five of an 82-game season. And C, apparently he has a shitload of money because Matt made this point before we started recording. He's just going to go buy another one. Like, let's not fool ourselves here. Um, So I just... Folks, if you're at a hockey game and you're upset with your team, don't go throwing things on the ice, especially a jersey that cost you a lot of money or somebody that gifted it to you a lot of money. Okay? Don't throw anything on the ice. You know that beer that you're about to throw on the ice also costs a fortune. And whatever it's, rel- it's relative, but it's relative to the jersey, but yes. Yeah. And and stop throwing stuff on the ice unless but, unless okay, there it is. Unless it is a catfish, Detroit, you do your thing. What, what, what about cats? squid? Right? What is it a it's a Detroit squid catfish squid. is Nashville. Okay, yeah. Unless it's a live animal and or hats. Well, don't throw a live animal on the ice. Well, hold on. If the Florida Panthers keep playing like this, we're about to get rats on the ice again. So Yeah, but they're not alive. Yeah, but wouldn't it be funny? No. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> It'll be kind of funny. Man, I don't want to see red ice. I don't, I don't need it dyed red. <laughs> it's just like, could you imagine like just letting loose a bunch of live mice and watching the <laughs> poor ice staff have to chase these bitches down? Oh, <laughs> uh, this is how the next plague happens. Carnage. Carnage. It's true carnage. Um, Yeah, don't go uh, throwing stuff movie. on the ice unless it's like for a reason. So, you know, your catfish, your squid, your hats. That's all fine. Your rats. This is just kind of your PSA from your friends that are on the power play to not do that. A second PSA before we continue with the Maple Leafs and, and whatever's going on there. Just a side note, since we're talking about the fans here. There was recently a heckler in a Dallas Stars Columbus Blue Jackets game who caught on video, yelled at Elvis Merzlikens, don't light a firework in reference to what had happened to um, Kivleniex, I forget his first name. Matisse. Matisse Kivleniex over the summer when he lost a dear friend and teammate. And I just want to say to that fan, first of all, I hope you get banned from anything that involves hockey. And that is one of the worst things you could have possibly ever said to another human being. 
that is a terrible showing of what an NHL fan and a hockey fan is, and it's a disgrace to the hockey community. Furthermore, guy, let's stop attack. This goes for fans of any sport. Let's stop attacking these players personally, okay? They play a sport for our entertainment. You don't know them personally, and you should never attack them personally. There have been plenty of times that I've been um, or that I've been watching, like, for example, the Phillies on TV. Somebody was heckling Bryce Harper's newborn child last year, saying just some of the most egregious things about his newborn child. And we really have to stop attacking these players personally with stuff going on in their lives. It's egregious. You're a fan of a team. That's great. Do not cross that line where it becomes personal because then it ruins it. It ruins it for so many other fans of the sport that just like to watch for the entertainment and feel like they're involved. Stop doing this dumb shit, people. Please. Please, I beg, I implore, please stop doing this dumb shit. Please. Please. Well said, well said. Thank you. But yeah, that, that's messed up, man. It's the, terrible. What, it's terrible. Was it like a lip reading? No. No. It was audible. You know Audible. how, um, Fish, you know how, like, they have the cameras set up on, like, uh, TikTok the- or Instagram where they have the players coming out through the tunnel onto the ice? Okay. So you see them, like, forming the line and coming out? It was during right. that. Oh, it's right by the, like, ba- right by the as, bench. As Elvis was um, coming, he walks off camera, assumingly steps onto the ice, and shortly thereafter, you hear the fan say what he said. So... It's just terrible. It was... Um, there was no way around it. I listened to the video. Some people are saying that they couldn't make out what the fan was saying. Some people were able to hear it clear as day. I was one of the people that could hear it clear as day. Yeah, I don't know how you didn't hear it. <sighs> it was it, obvious to me. It, it is what it is. It, and it's, up. it's not necessary. It, it's terrible. It's it's true. It's truly disgusting what some people will say to these athletes. And look, him being a player for a team you don't like aside, I don't like plenty of players on different teams. I'll reference Tom Wilson and Brad Marchand. I hate these guys, literally. But you never cross that line to where it becomes personal and you're literally attacking someone for an unfortunate situation where they ended up losing one of their good friends and teammates. It's inexcusable. I do know the Columbus Blue Jackets are looking into it to see if they can track the fan down. And I'm assuming the league is going to ban him from attending any other events, which I hope ends up happening. Please find this fan because they are terrible. Anyways, we move forward back to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Speaking of terrible um, right now, they are two, four and one. Like I said, and I kind of had a question for the, uh, the gentleman of this podcast as I kind of heard it on 32 Thoughts, uh, which is a Sportsnet podcast out of Canada. They were talking about the Amazon documentary about the Maple Leafs and a situation in the playoffs uh, in the series against the Montreal Canadiens where Marner was pulled aside and talked to in the room, which is something that fans and watchers of the documentary wouldn't have been able to see and would have been handled internally, but instead, because there was a documentary crew there, the people saw it, heard it, started speculating. And right now, Mitch Marner looks broken. Let's like, let's not beat around the bush here. He looks broken. 
the easy plays that um, a player of his skill should be making with his eyes closed in his sleep, he can't even seem to make right now. Set aside goal scoring or making any sort of fantastic plays that we know he can, he can't make the easy ones. It's like he's double thinking everything he does. So I want to ask you two, do you think a major problem for the, the Toronto Maple Leafs right now is that Mitch Marner is possibly broken? I'll start, I'll start off because, you know, you talk about players being broken and all this, all this, you know, stuff. Well way to put it. Um, I think Mitch Marner holds a lot of value on this team. I mean, he plays kind of all situations. So if something really is wrong, like something's it's going to show because he's got that reliability, not just in the contract, but you know through the, through what his coach says. Um, like like I said, I I I can't really speak for what's going on in that locker room because you know it is a tough market to play for. You you see uh footage of you know. Freaking, uh, what's his name? Their their GM just like having his hands on on his head, like can't believe what he's seen. And they've laid some eggs against teams that they should have been able to, you know, compete against. You know, they got smoked against Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh had just about nobody on that ice. Had they're like missing no- almost everybody. They they're missing Crosby, Geno, Carter, Rust, Gensel, Latang. Gensel yeah. is out there. Oh, Gensel's back. I think so. Okay, so they have Jake Gensel, and that's about it. Crosby, Gino, Rust, Carter, and I think one other one. Latang. Latang. So, yeah. yeah. So the only reason I know that they were missing five is because I've been listening to all of Steve Dangle's LFRs because I just need every bit of hockey content I can shove into my eyeballs and my e-rolls. And they're really funny, um, yeah. So he's been talking about that and the fact that basically – the Leafs played Wilkes-Barre Scranton and lost 7-1. Evan it's, Rodriguez. Exactly. Evan Rodriguez, if anyone can tell me who that is. I, I yeah, think he's, he is. We can tell you who that is. Yeah, we can most certainly tell you who that is. I, We've seen sure. him too many times. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess you you guys would have. Either way, well, he was their number one center. Yep. He, he was center number one for the first line in that game. So that kind of tells you where the Maple Leafs are at. Yeah, sorry for interrupting you there, Matt, but uh, but go on. Uh, oh no, I think I mean I'm trying to have really like trouble, really, because like you, it's tough because we always have these you know talks about the Toronto Maple Leafs, and same conversation comes up about them, and they, you know, for the most part, they've tried to do- done their best to, you know, put in the right amount of talent. I mean, they still Austin Matthews is still a great talent. He's got John Tavares who can, you know, he's your captain. He, he was a big part of why you didn't do well against Montreal when you played them in the playoffs. And uh, it, it has to be internally because they have all – I know all these stars are making a lot of money and the money's the, you know, deaf players don't make a lot. But at the end of the day, it's all about winning games, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Adam, how about you? I mean, you're, you're, I think the only one on the podcast that's seen the documentary, would you say that Marner could quite possibly be catching some backlash for this? Cause there are Toronto fans that are begging for him to be traded. 
all that's I think the nature of Toronto media as far as it comes to the Maple Leafs. Unfortunately, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. That's how it's always been. Uh, you look at guys like Phil Kessel, who was kind of chased out of town. Um, Jake Gardner was chased out of town. Frederick Anderson, for the most part, was chased out of town, but more so because Jack Campbell kind of came into his own, not because the fans wanted him necessarily gone. You could argue Matt Martin was chased out of town. You could argue that. Uh, Tyler Bozak, I think, might have been chased out of town. There's a defenseman whose name is escaping me, but he played in Ottawa. Uh, uh, Dion? Yeah, Marcel Dion. No, I don't think it was him. No? Well, enough. Dion enough. yeah. Um, Nazem Kadri. I mean, the list goes on. Kadri, yeah. So there's a laundry list, like you said. Um, that's just the nature of the beast there. As far as the documentary is concerned, there, the the Marner thing was he was brought into Dubis's office. I think after their loss in Game Five, because they lost four straight, right? Yeah, because they went up three zero. Or was it three? No, I think they dropped the game that Tavares got hurt in. Didn't they? Am I crazy? No, I think they were up 3-0, weren't they? I don't think I think they dropped a game somewhere in the middle. Oh, okay. Either way, it, it was somewhere within like the second the second loss, I think, um, on Montreal's uh, redemption tour, basically, where he was struggling, Marner. Matthews was struggling, but Marner seemed to be showing it a little bit more, just physically, emotionally, that kind of thing. So he got pulled into Dubas's office and it was like, hey, we we you good? What's if you need to vent, let it out. Like, I'm here to listen to you and I'll work with you. And Marner pretty much just said, I expect more for myself. Like, I'm I, everything. I, there's nothing to complain about. I just, I expect more for myself. And that was where that meeting ended. And here we are. Um, at the conclusion of that series, they had footage of the guys in the locker room, the Montreal series. They had footage of the guys in the locker room. And Marner and Matthews, after, you know, everything was done and locker rooms were cleared out, Marner and Matthews were the two remaining guys in that locker room, heads down, almost inconsolable. Like, you couldn't see they were crying, but you could tell they were defeated. They were crushed. So there, there's that weighing on their minds because they know that series was theirs. No, right. no doubt about it. That series was theirs. There was no reason they should have lost that series. They beat themselves in that series. That wasn't Montreal Pretty beating much. them. That was them beating themselves. Uh, um, but also, but also, I've been hearing some rumblings that um, the whole Matthews McDavid thing is kind of starting to get to Austin Matthews a little bit, where he is kind of starting to understand he will pretty much, unless he switches to some gear that we haven't seen, he's never going to be Connor McDavid, and Toronto hates that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like they're 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 going to be the Crosby and Ovechkin of our generation. There's right. a question about that. I think that's uh, a non-story, in my opinion. I, think- I don't know. You could argue. You can argue McKinnon. Hmm, I don't know. Maybe I don't, I don't view McKinnon in the same, for lack of a better term, I guess like gen- hockey generation. Right, because he's a bit older than those two. Yeah, Yeah. like I feel like McDavid Matthews is as close to Crosby Ovechkin we're going to get 
just because it just it's parallel. Well, if Eichel ever plays again, maybe he'll be in the consideration. Maybe, but either way, um, I think what it really, the other point I was going to make with watching the documentary was there's a scene, again, during that playoff run where the Maple Leafs back was against the wall and they're all sitting. It's Dubis, Keith, uh, Hexel, I think, was in the room. Um, and two other, um, like, inside coaches, managers, whatever have you. I don't remember the exact names. But they were talking about, like, what, what's going on with the team? What's the mentality? And one of them, who I unfortunately can't remember his name, um, but he basically said, like, these guys have demons. They are followed around by demons. There's demons in their bed. There's demons under their, in their closet, in their cars, in their kitchens. They, they are living with demons every single day. And it's going to be up to this team to fight through that and battle through that and push them away. And it seems like those demons have lingered far past the playoffs this season. Right. And I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously leaking into the next year, which is not a good sign for a very talented Toronto Maple Leafs lineup. Um, my expectation is they're bound to turn it around. Um, I don't think that they're going to suck for the entire year. I, I just really you hope. I can't foresee a lineup with that much talent on it to suck. I just I, I can't physically see it. The the determining thing is going to be if Marner can get his head back, which I don't know if you know he is as you know emotional over the last loss because apparently from all accounts like that loss was crushing to the entire team in the playoffs, like more so than any other loss that team has faced. This was more damaging. Um, so it'll come down to if they can shake that off, which they could, if they string a couple of confident wins together, that's fine. And Matthew's wrists coming back to the way it was supposed to be. Cause I, he's still dealing with that surgery. Yeah. He's still slightly ailing from that. So it, it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. I know it's damning when your head coach comes out when the press says like oh what's going up what's going on with Richie like you know why isn't he doing well and Keith responds with you should be asking that question about Matthews and Monet not just Richie yeah that's that's not the proper response from a coach I was going to get to that uh but that's not that I mean come on let's let's use our brain here at least a little bit like that's you can deflect the question without involving two other players, you know? Keith is the kind of coach that if he's not John Tortorella hard, like I don't think any coach is John Tortorella, but John Tortorella has a, a uh, an aura of him, for lack of a better term, of kind of just saying what he means, and that's it. Like he has no filter. Keith, I feel like, is the kind of coach that has a filter to a point. Like, he will stand up for his players no matter what. He might say otherwise to Dubis behind the scenes, which the documentary kind of showed. Um, but once you get to a point where they're at now, all bets are off. And he's going to call out and light a fire under whoever he needs to to get the result he's looking for. Right. Um, if you haven't watched the, doc the documentary, I can't do it as much justice as – it deserves because there's moments in there with Keith where you can tell 
he cares about this team and he expects a lot from this team as you should. And the team just isn't clicking the way it should. Um, and there are times that that happens where it's a good coach is just not a good coach for that team. That occurs in this league sometimes. It really does. I mean, you could argue that Tortorella was a good coach and just wasn't good for Columbus. I, hmm, I, I don't know. That's a, I, think, I feel like a, a whole other discussion. Yeah, I mean, that. I, and talking about that is like beating a dead horse at this point. Right. Um, but we'll obviously have to see how Toronto moves from here. Uh, like well, I said, I don't expect them to suck for the rest of the year. The one other thing I will note, uh, again, listening to Steve Dangle, this is something that's been hammered into my ears for the past two weeks. And that's apparently, and I haven't witnessed it myself, but it seems like the Leafs are in a situation where they don't know what to do with the puck when they have it because apparently right. there's been many a situation where they go quoting Steve Dangle mock 10 around the ice behind the net. Don't see an option and then just hold the puck. And by the time they decide I want to shoot or I want to pass, it's already off the stick going the opposite way and nine times out of 10 in the back of their net. So they just need to do what I've been saying. The sharks need to do for the last two seasons until this year where they finally figured it out. Shoot the goddamn puck. Shots Don't. on, man. Shots on. That's all you need. Yeah. I Actually, I think that was a stat from the Carolina game last night. They had 19 minutes worth of possession time over Carolina's, I think, 16. But Carolina was out shooting them like 40 to 20 by the third. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I might be miss, you know, remembering the stats, but it was – the possession time to shot time or shots on net for Toronto was vastly different compared to Carolina. Which is insane. You shouldn't have that much time with the puck and that little shots. Exactly. Um, I understand if you're, you know, the shooting lanes are clogged and everything like that, but you know, at least send some sort of garbage towards the net. Something, something might happen. Cause you, know? you never know what happens. Exactly. Wasn't there a goal recently where something went off the boards and Oh, I'm sorry to bring it up. Did it happen to Carter Hart? First game, about, yeah. I was about, I was about, I was about to say, Adam, are you, <laughs> are you trying to start shit that you can't finish, my friend? No, but are you I'm making a point? Because don't make, don't make Matt and myself get, get angry here. To be, oh, to he's be already made me angry. That can't, that can't go back. Yeah, now you see, look all what I you did. did. You, you've already made, you've already made Matt go full Hulk. I'm, I'm just, here oh, I'm, I'm half Hulk. I'm he's, half he's half Hulk right now. In, in this case, poke the fish. I'm just here to poke the fish. Poke the fish. Hashtag poke the fish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> flounder. Why flounder? Why I didn't not? say I didn't say flounder. Yeah, no one said flounder. I was quoting I was quoting Animal House. I just had to. I do that all the time when they're talking about fish. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. Like, I haven't seen their... Animal House in far too long. Yeah, oh my Quality god. How can you not remember every single line of movie it's i think i've great. only seen it twice i think that's why oh really Hashtag poke yeah. the fish. um flounder i barely know her. oh, anyways, oh! um so that that's our little segment on the maple leafs there um oh, hopefully man. they don't make us hound on them for the rest of the year but as a possibility okay they have if, oh, wait, they, will. Lose, if, if they, they lose if, to chicago tomorrow night there's a big problem that needs to guys change. i want to go back in the history of this pod and see how many times we're talking about the maple leafs doing exactly what we're talking about right now i also want to go feel- back and count the amount of times adam has brought up the steve dangle podcast oh it's it's probably as many episodes as we have now it might be 
it might, it be. might be one an episode <laughs> um yeah but to move forward uh, i'm adam I'm, I'm glad you brought up uh, wrist injuries for star players because <laughs> apparently Sidney Crosby has been playing with the wrist injury that has him out right now since 2014. The Olympics. Yeah, apparently the Olympics. He injured his wrist and has been playing with it since 2014. For those of you who are counting at home, that is seven years. Seven years of playing hockey, seven seasons with a wrist injury. Um, I got to say, as much as sometimes, and, and honestly, I haven't had beef with Sid since he was a, since he was the kid, quote unquote, when he was kind of a baby. He's since manned up a bit and is just keeping his head down and playing hockey, and I respect it. But that's tough. A wrist injury in a sport where you use your wrists more times than not, and also you're a center, that's tough. That is a tough thing to play with, especially when you're taking faceoffs all the time. Now, Matt, you brought up a good point uh, prior to us recording about how that's just kind of the moniker of a, of, of a hockey player is they'll play with whatever injuries they can get away with uh, just to keep playing, which is true. It's been documented by about many players. Uh, we, we referenced the Patrice Bergeron thing where he had the punctured lung, injured, uh, injured ankle, and also the, the broken rib um, during that playoff series in about 2013-2014. Um, but I got to ask you, does this make you guys think that Sidney Crosby has another gear we haven't seen in seven years? No, I, I can't say that because he's won, you know, back-to-back Stanley Cups in those seven years. He went through that period. He's, he's you know, I'm pretty sure he won an MVP after that, right? I, I'm pretty sure. He's, I think we've seen every gear we've seen for Sid and uh, you know, he's one of the best to ever do it. He's I don't think you've seen the- him hundred percent though. That's what, oh. that's what I'm wondering. Well, you'd rarely see any players when they're deep into the playoffs at a hundred percent. Yeah. Sidney Crosby won the MVP that year that apparently that year, he yeah. injured his wrist. That year. Yes. Uh, 24. That's crazy. Yeah, so I'm wondering slash concerned if you gentlemen think that there is going to be a difference if a 100% Sidney Crosby comes back. Now, granted, he is a bit older, uh, but obviously that's not hurting his counterpart slash comparison, uh, Alexander Ovechkin, who is just a goal-scoring machine and probably will be till the day he dies. Um do you think that Sidney Crosby coming back 100% without this wrist thing that apparently has been going on for seven years is going to be even better than we've seen him the past seven years? Uh, I don't think even better. I think he'll be just as good, if not a shade better. Matt, how about you? I mean, we have to see him, so. Yeah, I can't Yeah, yeah see him all too well. Uh, I can't say. He'll have another gear because we've pretty much seen Sidney Crosby, you know, do magical things on the ice, especially against our our favorite team. So I can't say there's another gear, but you know, he's going into a, a he's, once he comes back from injury. I mean, everything's going to roll through him like it usually does. So most goals by another player against the Philadelphia Flyers in the history of Sam the Flyers. Um, yeah, he just, he, he close. just owns it's the close. Flyers. He doesn't have 
Uh, oh wait, he does have more goals. Yeah. Yes, he does. Uh, yeah. As far as points. Points, no. I think he uh, trails yeah. um a couple people. A few people. And that's just I because think... of assists, but either way. Um, yes, he basically ruins us. Um, much much like Mark Recchi did for a short period of time when he played for the Bruins. Um, but I digress. I I'm scared a little bit. Like I'm like a like a smidgen frightened that there's a possible better Sidney Crosby than he has been for the last seven years when he has a healthy wrist. Um, obviously, we will have to find out when and if that happens. And we will. We will find out. So that is something to keep an eye on if uh, when Sid comes back, he's playing astronomically better than he has been the last couple of seasons. Now we know why. Um, as far as other news to note, uh, the Kraken. Uh, apparently they're trying to raise a banner from the 1917 Seattle squad that won a cup. Um, there was Rumble. Anybody know the name of that? Uh, the name of that team? What was it? The totems? Or uh, that, like that? that might've been the Metropolitans. It was the Seattle Metropolitans. Hey. <laughs> and that it was the Stanley cup, but also remember the Seattle Metropolitans. We're not an NHL team. In fact, the NHL didn't exist. The Stanley Cup Finals was uh, was between the winners of the National Hockey Association and the Pacific Coast Hockey Association, two separate leagues. In a best of five series, the Seattle Metropolitans won three games to one in demanding fashion, beating the Montreal Canadiens uh, as follows in games two, three, and four, six, one, four, one, and nine, one. Do you it's think luck. do you think that the Seattle Kraken should be raising a banner for not only a team that wasn't in the NHL because the NHL didn't exist but also a team that won a cup in 1917 and has borderline no historical affiliation with these Seattle Kraken. Well, I mean, other outside of the fact that they're in the city of Seattle. That's the only thing they share. They weren't even in the same league. But I mean, there's there aren't correct me if I'm wrong. Are there not teams in the league that have banners up for like their past iterations? No, I, I believe I the Winnipeg Jets do, but that's a different story. Does anyone know if the Atlanta Thrashers hung stuff I, for the Atlanta Flames, or is that like a Calgary owns that kind of thing? I would imagine Calgary owns that, but they might. I feel like, well, the Dallas Stars have yeah. North Stars banners. In their building, and I would I would have to imagine. Does Colorado have anything for the Nordiques? Um, I think so because of Stastny's number still being retired. So I mean, if Seattle wants to claim ownership of the Metropolitan's history, so to speak, I don't see why it should be a problem. I mean, it's two Seattle hockey teams. I mean, granted, yes. The Metropolitans never made it into the NHL, this, that, the other thing, but the city's going to honor what the city did. You know what I mean? Maybe they're just worried about not getting banners in the near future. And that's something to not really worry about <laughs> as an expansion team. Not everybody's going to be the Golden Knights. We know we know this. I mean, that's just that's something that is a... Well, do you think they're going to get more teams? I don't. 32 seems like a good amount. I could see some teams moving. Um, 
I don't foresee the uh, the Coyotes being in Arizona for much longer, considering how much issues they have finding ice surfaces to play on. And uh, there was another team I had a thought about. Apparently, just as a side note, while you're thinking of that, it seems like the Senators might have cup banners from bef- like way before they were the iteration that they are now. Interesting. Um, yeah, so this is the Seattle Metropolitans also have, uh, you might as well add these three while you're at it, the playoff championships from the PCHA in 1917, 1919, and 1920. Might as well raise those bad boys while you're at it. I, I don't know. It seems weird to me the amount of banners they're trying to raise right now. They retired the number 32. It sounds like I don't have a problem rash. with that. I don't have a, I mean, the cup thing I, I can kind of give you, I still don't have a problem with it because as someone in the, the Reddit thread I was reading put it, the, the history lives with the city. So the cup, I, I can't, you know, put too much blame on. I have absolutely no problem with the 32 being retired. Um, I feel like it's no different than the Seahawks calling their, their fans the 12th man. Am I misquoting that? Uh, the Seahawks call them the 12th man. Yeah, that's what I mean. So to me, it's just Seattle's way of honoring their fan base. And I mean, if it was a number like, I don't know, like 97, 12, like a number that is like more commonly worn, it's okay. 32 is a, and Bing, you might hate me for saying this, but 32 is a goaltending backup kind of number. Like it's, I don't, a, it's a kind of a classic goaltender number, though. You got to remember that. Anything in the low 30s is a is a classic goalie number. It's a goon number. It is also a goon number, yes. I don't feel like I see the number 32 enough for it to warrant it being a prominent, like, oh, oh Jesus. Now, what if uh, Austin Matthews 7.0 comes to Seattle and wants to wear 32? You know what I mean? I, I can't foresee that happening. But right. who knows? I don't know. To me, it's them honoring the fans um i know some people have been trying to argue in favor of it using vegas as an example but that's a completely different set of circumstances for why they retired i think it was 56 yeah i think they retired 56 because wasn't that the amount of people that was that unfortunately that was perished in yeah. the shooting yeah i, I want to say it was 56 so i mean you can't use that as an argument totally different circumstance yeah um, um but yeah, I think I that was no just interesting. I think it was just an interesting point. The fact that they are contemplating throwing that banner up there for something that yeah, happened not- in 1917. So that would go up tonight or tomorrow. Oh, Let's- they like doing it, doing it. If, if it's going to happen, it'll happen tonight. Cause ironically enough, they play Montreal tonight at 10 o'clock. So that's Oops, they beat. Exactly. So that's why everyone was kind of like, oh, are they going to do it? But it's, a, it's only a rumor. Apparently it started on the 32 Thoughts podcast. Um, they said that they were hearing rumblings that Seattle might be looking to put up another banner. Um, we'll have to wait and see. By the time this drops, everyone will know if it happened or not. That is so, true. That is true. Um, if it happens, cool. If it doesn't happen, cool. If it doesn't happen, I can't speak English. If it doesn't happen, <laughs> we might snot's nose. You know, we'll nose. We'll nose. <laughs> Thirty twos banners. Cools. 
Um, yeah, and also if Elliot Friedman's talking about it, it's probably a real rumbling. Uh, uh, I pretty see, much, I pretty much have decided to trust Jeff Merrick. Thing that uh, it was well, Jeff Merrick. Well, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman are okay. are thirty two thoughts. Uh, usually, if it's coming from those two, I trust it. Uh, kind of like a Pierre LeBrun scenario. There, are, there are certain trusted NHL journalists that you can believe in. Those are pretty much a solid three. How um, far would yeah. you go on trusting Elliot Friedman? Would How you trust, far? I wouldn't would like. Would you trust him with investment faith, advice? investment, investment advice? advice no no i would no. not um I, I, unless he he works for an investment firm which i do not believe he does uh but i would okay. trust him with with my nhl rumor mill i would if friedman tells me to put money into the seattle kraken because they're gonna have a bloom you better believe i'm gonna do it all i'm saying is uh if elliot friedman claims the sharks are going to the cup Listen, no. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just. I was. I did. I want. I didn't want to bring it up, but here we are. <laughs> I have experienced too many times of things getting hyped up and then ripped out from underneath you. So I don't want to hear it. Hey, join the club. It's a tough join life. the club. It's a tough life you live. It's a tough life to live, my friend. That that fucking Philly trip experienced so much karma that. Woo-wee. Yep. Ooh. Oh, like yep. Mister, like what Mister Poopy Baho says. Mister Poopy Baho. You're going to have to fill me in. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, All righty. So we have reached the point of the podcast where now it is time to wrap it up with our final segment, which is going to be about the situation happening in Chicago with the Blackhawks organization. We told you we're going to talk about it, and here we are. So basically, we'll start from the beginning here. So in the 2010 Stanley Cup uh, final run and Stanley Cup final win for the Chicago Blackhawks, there was a situation that had occurred between a film um, coach and a player who has not been named. He is John Doe. Um, It was a uh, sexual assault scenario um, where it was reported to the team after it had happened. And apparently... They had a meeting about it. All of their uh, a bunch of people in their staff. I'm looking for the names if I can find them. Um, what, what names were you looking for? The people in the staff that were that had the meeting. Uh, it was uh, Joel Quenville, um, Scott Bowman, the the current GM at the time, um, GM Kevin Shoveldayov, uh, Executive Vice President Jay Blunk, CEO John McDonough. And then President Al McIsaac. Uh, apparently, they had all met in May of 2010 to discuss the allegation, and no action was taken by Chicago, and they went on to win a Stanley Cup. And since then, no action has been taken for the past decade until this has come up recently. Uh, so now, why we're talking about it, because this is news from a little while ago, is because the independent investigation has finalized and the reports are out that these individuals who are important people in this team decided to do nothing about what was occurring and instead completely ignore it, push it under the rug, and apparently never talk about it again. I think that that was their plan. Um, according to reports, I'm going to see if I can't pull it up here. One moment here. Um some crazy stuff according to 
the reports, Joel Quenville had said during the meeting um, that the uh, that he shook his head and said it was hard for the team to get to where they were and they could not deal with this issue now. Which is terrible, by the way. Um, also, apparently, um, Scott Bowman has stepped aside and the league and Gary Bettman, uh, quote, we acknowledge Chicago have taken responsibility and ownership for what transpired and have already implemented new preventative measures, as well as committed to additional changes that may be deemed appropriate as part of its responsive plan of action to the investigation. Having said that, today's fine represents a direct and necessary response to the failure of the club to follow up and address the 2010 incident in a timely and appropriate manner, that fine being $2 million to the Chicago Blackhawks organization. Um, also, Gary Bettman said he plans on having personal meetings with uh, Joel Quenville and... Uh, Shevel Day off and uh, the um, Messers. Where's where's his first name? Uh, I can't find it. As you can tell, there's a, so many reports going out right now. We we have been trying to stay in tune with this all day. Uh, I don't even have a Bing's betting corner because I've been devoting my time this afternoon to this situation because this happened at about 2 p.m. Um. So the league is finding the Chicago Blackhawks $2 million for failing to respond to what happened in a timely manner, quote unquote. Um, the, the league released a statement. Um, the last bit of the statement, we kind of gone over the, went over the first bit there or the important parts. The last bit saying, having said that today's fines represent a direct and necessary response to the failure of the club to follow up and address the 2010 incident in a timely and appropriate manner. And this response should send a clear message to all NHL clubs and all NHL personnel that inappropriate acts must be addressed in a timely fashion. In that regard, we also reiterate that the league has implemented a confidential and anonymous hotline, which is available at any time to all NHL personnel. Um, what stinks about this is that Bettman is going to be catching some heat for this, uh, for it happening under his watch. But also, yeah. if he it was never brought to his attention, what was he going to be able to do about it? I think the issue here lies with the Chicago Blackhawks and their ignorance and failure to respond to something like this at all. Not just in a timely fashion, but at all. They've swept this thing under the rug for a decade. A decade. Now, the team did release a statement on their own, if you guys don't mind me reading that. Go ahead. All righty. Um, a letter to our fans, partners, and community. The Blackhawks are more than just a hockey team. We are a community that is built upon the trust and support of our fans, players, employees, and partners. That trust was shaken when disturbing allegations recently came to light about our handling of sexual misconduct that occurred 11 years ago. When we learned of these detailed allegations as part of recent public reports, our ownership initiated an independent investigation led by the law firm Jenner and Block to determine what occurred and how our organization responded. Jenner and Block has delivered their findings to the organization. The report can be read in full here, and they did put the link. Um, it is clear the organization and its executives at the time did not live up to our own standards or values in handling these disturbing incidents. We deeply regret 
the harm caused to John Doe and the other individuals who were affected and the failure to promptly respond. As an organization, we extend our profound apologies to the individuals who suffered from these experiences. We must and will do better. The statement does go on to explain the policies they have implemented, so on and so forth, uh, for anti-harassment discrimination and re uh, retaliation policies, things of that nature, also reiterating the hotline put in place by the NHL. So a question for you gentlemen in this case. Upon finding out about what the firm has basically said is true, that the allegations did in fact happen and the team did nothing about it, how does this affect your view of the NHL at this point? Because at this point, we have this happening. We have players dying of drug overdoses from drugs that they got while they were in the league. And also... Players coming out now, uh, Colin Wilson writing an article for the Players' Tribune, coming out now saying they also were addicted to drugs based on mental health problems they were having and medications they were given by teams to handle those. How, like, In your honest opinion, how are we feeling about the National Hockey League as a whole at this point? Well, I mean, it's kind of like what the NFL has been going through over the past couple of years with uh, substance abuses. And, you know, you hear in, uh, like, playoff time, like, these guys are getting, like, IV shots to cope with the pain. And, you know, it, it's a sad reality to think that, like, you know, these hockey players who we consider, you know, strong role, model, role models and, uh, you know, you know, good, clean people, you know, have real, real world problems. I know I just said real twice, uh, but they, it's it's the, definitely a start to hopefully getting better. Obviously, when you talk about substance abuses, just the start is really the most important part. And hopefully it, it can really lead to uh, things improving as far as like players not getting addicted to medication they were prescribed by team doctors um but as far as what's happened with the chicago blackhawks i mean what else can you say is wow it's like you know it, i mean it's it's kind of on the level of what penn state went through but obviously what jerry sandusky did was molest little boys and that's just god awful like, right. This, I mean, this did occur this, between two adults. Right. Yes. But that doesn't make it any. I mean, it, it's it, not it's making wrong. it any better. It's just no. wrong. Yeah. It, yeah, it's wrong. And um, it's tough, man. And what uh, what Chicago is going through the, with the start of the season, not getting off to a good start, not even leading in any of the games with having all these acquisitions. It, it's, you know, it's too big of a mountain overclimb. And, uh, yeah, I think Chicago is going to suffer throughout the year. Yeah, not to neglect from the real point at hand here, but I do have the stat in six games so far. They have gone 360 minutes and 57 seconds without a lead. Um, however, the, the real point at hand is, is what's going on here with these accusations. And, Matt, I agree with you. It is very comparable to what happened with Penn State. And 
I'm not quite sure what's going to be happening with the Blackhawks organization moving forward. Yes, they were fined $2 million, but I don't think the league finds that to be enough. And the NHLPA hasn't even begun to do what what they plan on doing with this this information. It, it comes to a point where you can't blame the NHL for what happened with the Blackhawks. You can blame the NHL for this aura of ignorance and kind of a, excuse me, kind of a don't ask, don't tell situation that has kind of surrounded the league. And there are other pertinent leagues out there in the world. I mean, you can look at the four major ones who have gone through similar situations. I think we have to start asking ourselves what is more important, the health and safety of the players or the entertainment that we are getting to view night in and night out, week in and week out, months on end. Um, Adam, I'll, I'll turn to you here. What, what is your view on the NHL as a whole? And, and maybe what, what sort of solutions could we look towards in the future to hopefully fix this problem? Um, as far as the NHL on a whole, my viewpoint hasn't been stained that much. Um, I, th- I think I kind of agree with you. It almost seems like the league is um, kind of seeing this the way all the fans are seeing it. It almost kind of seems like they're not 100% in the know with a lot of things, which sucks. Um, I think in terms of the um, the Colin Wilson and all the other uh, related issues, I feel like that kind of shines a light a little brighter on what Robin Leonard said a few weeks ago. I feel like that's something that should maybe start to be revisited now. Agreed. That's, uh, I don't know. It just feels a little odd that he said that, and now everything is happening the way it's happened on that front. Um, I think the Leonard stuff has almost made the league take kind of a new look at what their product is, um, mm. especially when it comes to the health and safety of the players themselves within their organizations. Because granted, the organizations have, you know, a lot of control as to what happens within themselves, but the league is the overseer of these things. That's why they have a lot of these uh, different um, divisions and things of that nature. For example, the NHLPA. But when it comes down to it, do is my view on the NHL tainted? No. Is my view on a lot of these fairly large figures in the hockey community especially the nhl tainted absolutely one of them being joel quenville who's currently a important coach on a very good team um the, the the views of these people are yes in fact tainted and when it comes down to it i don't think the league can stand to have these people have jobs in the nhl with what has been um reported do i ever want to see people lose their jobs no but is this a fireable and expulsion kind of event yeah absolutely i don't think you can have these people involved in the nhl anymore there you can you have to respond with a full firing and banning of these individuals i don't i don't foresee any situation where they should be allowed to return to having jobs within the NHL. Um, And you hate to say it because you don't want to see people lose jobs, but this is egregious. This is terrible what they've done. I agree with what you're saying. And I said this in the group chat and I, unfortunately, I'm going to stress this word. Unfortunately, 
have the viewpoint that hockey is a business and that's how any organization is going to look at it, unfortunately. And I think that's why I will be very, very shocked if I see Elliot Friedman, Pierre Lebrun, or any other NHL source tweet or post an article with the words, Jill Quenville fired, um, Shovel Day Off fired. We already saw it with uh, the, 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 the two guys that left Chicago. They named Escape Me, but. Uh, Scott Bowman and um, shoot, who's the other one? Um, um, names out there. I think Stan Bowman and was it was it Jay Blunk? Uh, either uh, Bowman is going to be the, the main cog in this because he he's the GM. Yeah, he wasn't fired. He stepped aside. He stepped down. Yes, they they. Ha- almost, I don't want to say they hammered that point home, but they hammered that point home. He was not fired. He stepped aside. Which, in the business world, us as fans know what that means. We, we read between the lines. In the business world, and in legality, more than likely than not, the man was not fired. He's still entitled to whatever deal he had with the Blackhawks, I imagine. Whether it be, I mean... I was telling my mom about this before, and uh, she has no real insider hockey stuff. She watches it because I watch it, and sometimes I end up forcing her to watch it because she's in the room. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> I was telling her about the story, and I told her that the guy wasn't fired. He stepped aside, and she said, yeah, she said, uh, yeah, because now he'll still get his retirement. Uh, yeah, and, and unfortunately, that's the truth. I mean, he'll still get his his pension. So, I mean, and I, I've said this and everyone hammered or like, you know, piles on me like, oh, it's not the same situation. But at the same time, it is. Tony D'Angelo, for the most part, was labeled as someone that wasn't going to play in the league again. And look where he's playing right now. With the team. Yeah, exactly. Evander Kane is right now being labeled as someone that's never going to play in the league again. There's a very good chance that if a team wants him, he's going to play in the league. And those two guys, you know, arguably have had their issues, but I would say don't deserve to be completely banned from the league. But these individuals most certainly do. Um, I mean, the only one that maybe you could put on the same level is the, the kid out of Montreal that they drafted. Right. At, by all rights, should not have been drafted, probably shouldn't be playing in the league, but Montreal kept them. They're still developing like he will, I will be shocked if this kid is not in the league within the next three to four years, at least in, on the minors in Lavelle. Lavelle. Right. So it's a sucky thing to say, but the NHL and its teams is a business. And a lot of these owners and a lot of these GMs are going to do what's good for the business. And if a guy like Jill Quinville is leading a team right now that's undefeated, 6-0-0. Unless Gary Bettman steps in and tells them he has to go, I expect him to stay at least till the end of the season. I would agree. But I think 
that is kind of what we're hoping happens as the NHL does step in and says this person can no longer be affiliated with the NHL in any way, shape, or form. Um, so we've we've talked about what we know. Um, and this is obviously something that is going to be ongoing as the things happen to these individuals that happen to still be within the NHL. Um, and we will see where it goes from there and cover it as such. But from the On the Power Play podcast to the NHL, this somehow gets to your ears. Start thinking about the players more than you think about the business. It is about time that this happens, that the players should be coming first, their health, their safety, their mental health. Um, I think a good place to start is by at least implementing some form of mental health uh, doctors within teams, a safe space, as it were, that isn't just a hotline to call, a safe space where it's person to person, and that person is employed by the league and not the team. And that person can directly go to the league who can then contact the team and handle this before it becomes an 11 year ordeal that was never dealt with. For some reason, this isn't something that somebody hasn't thought about before, but there are continual problems with players, mental health and physical safety going on in this league that need to be addressed. And it's about time the you as a league, the NHL starts worrying about these things. Uh, but like we said, we will cover this as it goes on. And also, uh, there was an interesting point, kind of to shift gears, but not entirely, uh, especially when it came to the Colin Wilson article that, that just came out and the unfortunate passing of Jimmy Hayes. I, I read something interesting that said it's about time that professional league organizations follow suit with most of the country at this point and stop drug testing for marijuana. Because there is obviously benefits to marijuana when it when it comes to mental health and things that you are prescribing fentanyl for and things you are uh, prescribing oxycodone for and different painkillers that people can get hooked to and addicted to. Um, there is an easier solution and it is much safer. And it's about time that these leagues, including the NHL and, and all of the other ones, start thinking more towards different ways of dealing with these issues in a healthier, safer manner, much like the rest of the nation is doing. I kind of wanted to see what your guys' thoughts on that were. I think it's a, a great idea for the league to stop testing for marijuana and let the players use it to help themselves. Well, I reference this because of the Colin Wilson article where he references his usage. Good. Uh, well, there are other players who follow suit, like Riley Cote, who kind of, you know, promote the medical uses of marijuana. But you also look at uh, what the NFL has done, you know, and if the NFL has kind of can pave a way for a lot of things, because sports is a copycat business where if one per if one organization does it right, everyone else is going to follow suit. Mm -hmm. And uh, it would help, you know? It obviously has. I mean, countless amount of players uh, post-career have talked about how much it actually helped them stop being addicted to these different drugs that they were given while they were playing. I This, this will do nothing but help the player have a hopefully long and happy life. I mean, I, I'll reference Jimmy Hayes again. He unfortunately became addicted to these things, got off of them, has a family, has has a wife, has children. 
and he ended up relapsing and it killed him. And this is the kind of situation that we need to try to start preventing for players that play now in their futures. You know, there are still tough guys in this league. Let's not act like just because there's not a fight every game anymore that there aren't tough guys in this league who are suffering from probably mental health issues because of brain damage that they have suffered. And a a, a former player who, you know, he's a bit controversial, but Daniel Carcillo, he is a big advocate for the usage of marijuana. He's a little bit bigger than uh, controversial. Yeah, he's 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 a bit on the edge there, but I will reference the the one of the good things he says where he understands the amount of drug addiction problems going on in the NHL and I think that there's a different path out of it. Uh, Adam, what are your thoughts? I don't really have any strong opinions on it. I could stem from the fact that I don't smoke, I don't have any real knowledge in it. I don't read into it. I don't it's not something that's, I want to say it's not something that's prevalent because I, there are people around me that, that smoke, right? All that. Um, it's just not my cup of tea. I, I have no problem if you do it. Go right ahead. If you want to do it in front of me, that's fine. I don't, you know, I'm not going to belittle you for it. It's just not something that I participate in. So I don't have any real extensive insight into it, but it is definitely something that the league needs to look into. Because, I mean, again, I referenced the Robin Leonard outburst. Like, it's seemingly now that there's there's something to that. There, there, there's clearly something to that. And when I look, I mean, I don't know why it came to mind. And it's probably not even 100% relevant. But, like, I go back to the, the Maple Leafs documentary, and they were talking about Wayne Simmons's, I think it was a wrist injury that he had after the, the first or second game. Um and in the documentary, they show you him getting treated for that injury. And they have this medical apparatus that I have never seen or heard of before. But it helps, like, regrow. I think it was to help regrow bone and strengthen the bones in the wrist. And I've never heard of that. I don't know if you guys have heard of a device that can help grow bones. I have not. So milk. I only know about milk. Exactly. Um, and I could be misremembering, but it was something that I have never heard of before. Like whatever this apparatus helped grow back was something I have never heard of in any medical capacity and the Toronto Maple Leafs are using it. So these multi-million dollar organizations have access to medical equipment and other medical needs to help these players get back to peak performance. And in theory, not being that much pain. So one would think that they have to have other means than to prescribe drugs that are heavily addictive and can lead to worse problems than just the injury that they're prescribing these drugs to treat. Exactly. Maybe I'm yeah. crazy. No, but- no. I mean, that was, that was a, that was a perfect statement. I, I agree with you 100%. And uh, you know, we understand that the podcast got a little bit heavy here at the end, but we would be doing a disservice if, to you, the listener and a, a hockey fan, um, if we didn't bring it up and, and discuss multiple angles from it. Uh, I do so, feel, before yeah. you wrap up, there's one other thing back to the Blackhawks thing that kind of should, shouldn't be swept under the rug. Because you have the, the whirlwind of all the, the GMs, the coaches, all the in-staff 
or in, in league sap that are involved in this. But there's one underlining story that I haven't seen brought up too, too much from any of the insiders or anything else. And I've seen it a couple times to think that there is some credence to it. And that's the fact that uh, John Doe, as he's been referred to in um, all the legal proceedings, was harassed by former members of the Blackhawks on the ice involving his issues, for lack of a better way of putting it, with the uh, uh, Aldridge. Um, So there are players currently in the league, as far as I'm aware, that harassed this poor player during practices on the ice, maybe during games. I know I've only heard about it in practice, but I mean, if you're doing it in practice, odds are it's happening during the game. If you're playing against a former teammate. So we need to be looking out for who those people are. Cause that's another problem. This Blackhawks thing. And I said it in the group chat. We all agreed about it. This is going to have a, wild trickle-down effect throughout the league when it comes to who's involved, who's going to basically have their head roll and get fired over it, you would hope. Mm-hmm. I mean, I said it before, the Sharks have a former, I think he was an equipment manager for the Shark, or for the Blackhawks, or his brother was a equipment manager. It was the- actually, uh, I believe, his father, if I read that right. That Yeah, it might have been that too. Like, yeah, it was his father who worked for the San Jose Sharks. The the degrees of separation to this one incident is going to trickle down so far that I th- I can only imagine that there's going to be a lot of repercussions that come from this if proven to be true. The fact that the players haven't been talked about is a little surprising to me, but I think that's mainly because all focus has been on the core four or five that refused to do anything the day that they won and advance to the Stanley Cup. Right, right. And I completely agree with you. I think that they should also have to, for lack of a better term, face the music for what they did as well. And hopefully that does happen. Um, But obviously, like we said, this is something we're going to have to see. We don't know what's going to happen moving forward here because, you know, like I said, we haven't even seen what the NHLPA is planning on doing. So we will have to see. We will report it as it comes out to us. You can find that news here at On The Power Play. Again, thank you for listening. Go follow us on our social medias on Twitter and Instagram at OTPPpod. Go to the links in those bios. Go to our store. We have everything that you're going to need for the winter. Buy it up. It's good stuff, folks. And again, thank you for listening to On The Power Play. We out!